going on, everybody? Another installment from uh, Hotel Room this time uh, of shooting it straight with myself, Justin Jackson, and my man, John, here to kind of break down what's been going on recently with UNC and this basketball team. Obviously, I'm on the road, so, you know, the background might look a little bit different. You know, I got to still try to provide for the family a little bit more when it comes to basketball. So currently on a road trip, but obviously got a chance to uh, watch some of the watch some of the game last night and then watch watch the game over again this morning and a, a loss. Um, but I'm not necessarily too beat up about it. Obviously, you know, North Carolina lost to UConn 87 to 76. Um, but I think I've got some some takeaways that you know, I think a little, some people would take a little bit, you know, differently coming off of a loss. Um, and, you know, I think a, a few of them, you know, we can just hop right into it and talk about it. But, you know, I think uh, uh, when you watch this game, we talk about it all the time, RJ and Mondo are going to get the most attention. And those guys, you know, they've been there, they've proven themselves um, to need attention. Um but when you go against a team like UConn, who, in my opinion, is, you know, obviously they won it last year. and The way they look after watching the game, they look like they could possibly repeat. Um, and so when you go against a team like UConn, you have to have other guys step up, you know, and you have to have guys that are able to produce in these type of environments and these type of games. And when I watched the game, you know, I you know, speaking of Mondo, you know, he finished with 13 and 13 and, you know, it seems like it would be, you know, good enough. Um, but when I look at, you know, kind of everything that Mondo, his abilities and everything that he, his accolades and things like that, obviously they had, you know, another seven footer on the other side to go against him, but there's no way that he should not be able to still dominate. And so when I watched that game, you know, four from four for 12 from the field, um, five for 10 from the free throw line, which is something we talked about that he's really improved in. Um, and so when I see, you know, when I watch this game, you know, could Mondo have done a little bit more? I think he could have been a little bit more aggressive. I think he could have finished some of those around the rim a little bit more. I think he could have made his free throws a little bit more consistently last night. But I think for me, my biggest, you know, if you want to call it an encouragement or a, you know, call um, is we got to get more from Cormac, you know, somebody who we've, we talked about, you know, going into this season of, you know, he's been in college basketball for a long time at this point um, and has proven himself to be a pretty solid college basketball player in these type of games. It's tough to see him go three for 10 from the field and 0 for six from three. You know, it's obviously basketball. You you make some, you miss some is how it goes. But in these type of games as a player, these are the ones that you have to try your best to, you know, really go out there and produce and do the best that you possibly can. Um, and so, you know, I think that's kind of the biggest thing that I kind of took away from it. You know, and, and one of the biggest things, too, is, you know, it's not necessarily just Cormac, you know, shooting the ball. Um, that I really look at and say, okay, well, you know, he couldn't hit shots today, so he couldn't do anything for the team. You know, there's been a ton of games where, you know, for example, the national championship game that I played in, I was 0 for 9 from 3. It felt like I couldn't, if you had opened up the, 
the the ocean i couldn't have thrown it in there and made anything um but there's other ways that you can affect the game when you look at cormac's stat line it's six points zero rebounds zero assists zero steals zero blocks one turnover and two fouls and so you know are there other ways that you can you know help the team when you're not hitting shots 100 and i think we didn't really see that from Cormac. So when you take when you take away from the game, you're like, man, Cormac didn't hit shots. Well, Cormac might not hit shots the next three games, but there's other ways to be able to affect the game. And, you know, I think the perfect example for that for me is Harrison. When you watch Harrison Ingram play on the court, obviously he had 20 last night, hit a couple threes, had some, you know, some took guys to the post and had some buckets down low, but his effect on the game is so much more than just that. You know, you see him defensively. You see him, you know, that both teams got a little rowdy. I think it UConn, I think, kind of feeds off their coach. Um, but you know, you saw you saw them kind of chipping a little bit, and Harrison was right there in the middle of it. And um, you know, you see him defensively, he's causing some issues. Um, he's rebounding the ball, playmaking, causing, you know, making plays for other people. Um, so I think that's, I mean, just on his own team, I think that's the perfect example of how Harrison is able to affect the game in other ways outside of scoring. And I know Cormac can do that. Um, so I think going from this game, I think that's kind of the one, I don't even want to call it a negative. I think it's the one learning experience is, okay, we've got, you know, we've got a few of our main guys, but Cormac is kind of that fourth guy. I think that really has to, affect the game in certain ways. I think the big, obviously, number one is being able to shoot and stretch the floor to cause more space for the you know guys to drive and Mondo down low. But just being able to do something outside of shooting, I think Cormac is totally, you know, has that ability. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think that's my biggest my biggest takeaway, you know, on, on kind of that side of things. So, you know, as we watched, I think that's something they can continue to do. What, what did you think that you you kind of saw as you went on. Yeah, I, I dug into the data a little bit on, on Cormac. Before I do that, I want to mention you're listening to Shooting It Straight with Justin jo- Jackson uh, inside Carolina's weekly basketball podcast. We release every week on Thursday, so we appreciate you listening. want to give a shout-out as well to our sponsors, Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity HR, where Tar Heel fans can get a free payroll an HR needs assessment. Yeah, I was looking at Cormac. You know, he has a lot of experience uh, playing college basketball. His career numbers, 223 for 649 or uh, a career 34% three-point shooter. So you know he has the ability. This season, though, he's shooting 25.5%. And more specifically, he's really struggling on above the break threes. He's 5 of 33 per uh, CBB Analytics on those above the break threes, that's 15%. So I think that's sort of the core of, of some of his issues. So Justin, take us through this a little bit as a shooter. You know, I'm, I'm to be clear, I'm not saying this has ever happened to you <laughs> on the court, but if you were to go through a shooting slump or maybe you have once and t- twice in your career, you know, what's that like as a shooter and how do you kind of find your shot, especially when you're playing such tough competition throughout the year? Well, I want to be the first to say that I've probably had more bad shooting nights than I've had good shooting nights. So um, that's just the way basketball works sometimes. But, I mean, it, it's tough in the moment because as a shooter, that's kind of what you lay your identity on. You know, that this is what I do. 
I knock down open shots. I make shots when it comes to me. Um, but like I talk about, there's there's other ways to affect the game, whether that's rebounding, whether that's, you know, okay, I can't make a shot, so I'm going to drive it and try to make a play for somebody else. Maybe that's just defensively. Maybe defensively you make sure that your guy has the worst night possible. Um, you know, like I said, in that championship game when I was 0 for 9, I was guarding, you know, one of the, the other best players on the other team. And so because I wasn't shooting um, very well, my whole goal was, okay, well, on the other end, I'm going to make sure that, you know, my matchup is not going to win this matchup. And, um, you know, I think it's it's also very tough, you know, if, if you've never really been in that kind of role as a scorer or shooter, um, you know, a lot of times you can start to kind of press a little bit. I think that's kind of what I've seen a few times with Cormac and his shots. Um, you kind of see him rush a little bit at this point. You know, he gets the ball a lot of times and, you know, it's, you know, maybe he has a little bit of a quicker trigger, but you can kind of see him kind of rush his shots a little bit more. And maybe that's just coming from, okay, I, I really want to get this shot off. I really want to make this. And it's just kind of adding more pressure to himself. Um, as a shooter, you just have to try your best just to move on to the next one and shoot it exactly how you shoot it whenever you're working out on your own uh, in the games whenever you really have it going. You just have to try to keep the same mechanics, keep the same mindset, keep the same confidence, um, and step into the next one exactly how you've done before. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he can kind of do that. You know, a lot of times for me it was a matter of just, okay, you know what, I'm just going to get some extra reps up either after practice or on my own, just kind of try to find that rhythm a little bit more. Because uh, it's not like, you know, it's not like they're not going to go back to Cormac. You know, he shot six threes, you know, shot ten times total. So, and this team needs him. You know, and it's it, at the end of the day, it's not even like Cormac is playing terrible. It's just a matter of if if he gets two of those threes to fall, I think it changes the whole dynamic of kind of what you saw offensively for their team last last night. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of times it's just a matter of just kind of, you know, going right back into the basics, kind of getting that confidence level back up and making sure you stay at that level. Um so, you know, I think I think he'll be totally fine. But I also, I mean, I, I want to talk about Harrison Ingram and what he means for this team. I'm a, I'm I'm going to continue to double down. I'm starting to kind of starting to kind of get, you know, on the edge of it, but I'm gonna double down and say that RJ Amondo are still the the two top dogs when it comes to this team. Um but when I watch Harrison, man, he is the X factor. And he's the X factor that makes Mondo and RJ the two top dogs, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when you see Harrison Ingram on the court, the things that RJ – now, RJ, he's been hitting some tough – you know, pull up threes and isolation threes and things like that. So a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that he gets is kind of on his own too. But when you see kind of the opening and the the space that maybe him and Mondo get at times, I think a lot of times it's created by Harrison Ingram. You know, when, when you see him, a lot of times if, if Harrison doesn't have the drive right away, you know, you see him almost every time he goes to the back down and, a lot of times he's able to turn and score, but we've also seen multiple times him be able to make a play out of the post, you know, whether they're sending a double at him or he just finds an open guy. Um, you also see him, like we talked about 
you know, a few episodes ago, you'll see him playing in the dunker a little bit to space things out. And so it just gives more space for guys to, um, guys to make plays, to drive for Mondo to get it on the block and do some things. Um, you know, you see him also being able to stretch the floor. You know, I think for me, that's kind of the uh, surprise, I guess I would say, you know, I would have expected Cormac to kind of be on, you know, the three point shooting percentage that Harrison is on and kind of flip flop things. But you, I mean, he's shooting the lights out when it comes to, you know, from the three point line. And so just having everything that he does, and that's all offensively, defensively, you could put him on their best player at all times. You can switch him around. You can put him on the point guard. You can put him on the four, sometimes switch onto the five. And he just causes so much havoc. And I think one thing that he gives, he gives this team a little bit of grit, you know, and you need at least one player that is, that's really, you know, down for anything that is coming. Um, and I think you see that from Harrison, you see him, you know, when the other team is chirping, he's the main one right there in the middle, ready to go, you know, and, you know, I think so. So when I talk about that, I think that's it. You know, that's why I say I'm kind of on the, kind of on the edge, you know, I think RJ is obviously he's had some unbelievable games that he's wrecked up, you know, here recently. And he's, I think he's going to be consistently, you know, that, that guy as far as scoring for this team. But I mean, you see, I think Harrison Ingram is kind of the, the guy that makes this whole ship go. And, um, you know, if he can continue to play this consistent, you know, and hopefully everybody else, you know, RJ Mondo Cormac gets it going and, you know, Elliot, as he kind of matures and grows on the college level, I think it's, I think this team is just going to continue to get better. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how things go. You know, we talk about there's, you know, there's a couple more, a couple more big time games coming up. And, uh, you know, this is one of the games, you know, I think, like we talked about, UConn is, you know, very, very capable. I think they're a very capable team of repeating, you know, another national championship run. And so they're kind of the the measuring stick per se, you know, for this for college basketball, but also for this North Carolina team. When you look at the matchups, they've got a big, UNC has a big. They've got good point guard play. UNC has good point guard play. They've got, you know, a, a couple wings and Spencer and Caravan. We've got a couple wings as well. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a great, you know, matchup and a great way for UNC to kind of look and say, okay, well, you know what? They got us this time. Maybe we're not there yet, but we're very capable of getting there. And as the season goes on, just continue to kind of keep that mindset and continue to grow and mature. And I think, I think me personally, I think this team will be totally fine as the season goes on. I like what you said about consistency there, both with Harrison and RJ. Uh, two stats for that. Number one, Harrison, he is shooting the lights out. He's 19 of 41. That's 46% on three-pointers, which is crazy. I mean, he was a good three-point shooter coming into Chapel Hill and, and coming into North Carolina, but he's kind of elevated his play to another level. And then also RJ Davis with his consistency. I've been really impressed with him. I pulled this stat because I think, uh, Justin, you'll like this one. RJ is the first Tar Heel to lead the team in scoring in five straight games since yourself, who did it six straight <laughs> games in the 2016-2017 season. Uh, so I think that speaks to RJ just showing up every single night and just putting the ball in the hoop lots of different ways, threes, twos, getting to the rim. But he's just really been impressive so far this season. 
Yeah, I mean, he's uh, and, and I think we kind of always knew that. And I think that's why, once again, Harrison and I'll throw Elliot in there as well are so important for this team because it allows him to just be who he is. And that's just to go score the basketball. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to worry about, okay, we got to set up the offense. We got to make sure guys are in the right place. I got to make sure certain guys are getting touches and all that kind of stuff for him. It's come down. If I get the ball and I'm in a scoring position, I can go try to score. And I think that's just his strength. And obviously to his, credit his consistency has been you know especially in the last few games has been really really good for this team and um you know i think we'll continue to kind of see that especially especially like i talk about with with elliot um you know i think last night is one of the best tests for this unc team was elliot going against you know guys on the other side that were as experienced and as mature um in that spot as they are for him to be able to go up against that and kind of see, okay, this is, this is the parameter of where I have to be. You know, this is, this is what I have to compete against. If we're going to try to win a national championship, this is the, the pace and the maturity level that I have to have, you know, each and every game. Um, so I think that's, you know, obviously he didn't have a huge stat line, but kind of, you know, as he goes through that game and as he goes through this season going against some of these other tough opponents, I think that's going to, really be big for them um and so it just makes rj's life way easier um so you know i think i think as as i as that game went on and i thought it was a good game i think uconn made a couple runs there that towards the end of the game that just kind of you know took it a little bit too far that unc couldn't handle um because a lot of times when we watch this season unc has kind of gotten back into the game from their pressure defense and their ability to speed other teams up, maybe make them take tough shots or cause turnovers and things like that. We definitely saw it against Florida State. Um, but against a team like this, they've got guys who have been in the national championship game who have seen every situation. They're obviously very well coached. They've been over all the you know possibilities that a game could go into. And so I think a lot of times whenever you get into these games and you get down, it's going to be tough to come back because you saw kind of how they they put a press on for a few possessions and UConn made two or three passes and they were at the rim on the other end, either getting fouled or scoring. Um, so I think defensively, that's just that's kind of what made it tough for them was playing from behind against a team like this that executes offensively, um, gets the shot that they want every single possession. Um, plays together, plays unselfishly, and has at every spot has somebody that, you know, is very capable of scoring or, you know, making a play for somebody else. It's just tough to play from behind against a team like this. But, I mean, I really, you know, I, I, I don't really know if I had too much negative takeaways from this game. You know, I think, I think at times, you know, maybe shot selection, Whenever, you know, you, you kind of when other teams go on a run, you you really want to make sure that you get the right shot um, at the right time. And I think at times you kind of you saw a few times that, you know, they were making a run and we come down and maybe we shoot a shot, you know, with a hand in their face or we try to drive in and make a play and something wouldn't work. But, you know, I think for me, this was just a this was a great game and a great measuring um, 
game to kind of see where North Carolina is going forward. And, you know, as you know, I think that's, that's kind of the biggest thing for this. Um, I got a question for you, man. Um, when you watch this game, what are you thinking from the bench side of things? Cause I've got a few takes. I think it's, uh, you know, I've got some takeaways from it, but when you look at the bench and what they do when they get in the, you know, onto the court or, you know, maybe just the fact that they don't get a ton of opportunities on the court, which, what's your, what's your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, I have a couple of different thoughts. I think number one, coming into the season, we expected a lot of depth for this UNC team. We expected that to possibly even be one of their strengths, right? I think as the season has gone along, the rotations have tightened a little bit. Obviously it makes sense to do that against UConn, but I think UNC has to continue to find spots uh, to develop their bench because they're going to need them throughout ACC play. They're down to, uh, 28.1% of their minutes uh, being bench minutes, which is 259th in the country, which is sort of starting to trend lower as the season goes along. And I think specifically for a few guys, I think you have to find ways for them to make more of an impact. I think Paxton is one key example. Um, You know, when he's out there on the floor, uh, trying to find ways to, you know, find him different shots within the offense um, and then Jalen Withers as well is, is one who I'd want to continue to see UNC try to find a way to use him because he brings something, especially on the defensive end with some athleticism that UNC, it feels like they really need. Um, but he, he hasn't, you know, his minutes have gone down a little bit over the last few games. What's been your take on the bench side of things for UNC? I, I think for me, when it comes to the bench and I, you know, this is coming from somebody who I was always, I was blessed enough to, I never really had to, um, until I got to the NBA, I never really had to deal with, you know, playing nine minutes in a game or going out there and playing three minutes and then getting subbed out. And I never had to deal with that until I got to the NBA. So, but from my experience in the NBA, uh, when it comes to that situation, there has to be some sort of effect that you do on the game to get more minutes and to garner more minutes. And I think when I watch this game, you know, we talk about how, you know, obviously the big, the you know, the, the main guys have to produce in games like this. That's just period. All, you know, almost all the, you know, the weight falls on those guys. Um, but for instance, with, you know, with Cormac struggling shooting and, you know, there not being a ton of effect on the game from him. When I see like a, you know, a, a Jalen Withers go in the game or a Pax go in the game, you can see right away if, if somebody is kind of timid or if they're, um, you know, not fully into the game, you can see it right away, you know, especially, you know, if you've, play basketball and for me playing at a high level you can kind of sense okay this guy was really ready to go or he just i don't know if he's got it you know and when i watch the game i mean you know obviously i i'm i'm one that i would love to see jalen washington really be somebody to you know with his length and his height and his ability to stretch the floor i would love to see it but when you see him go on the floor there's just almost like a, 
I hate, I don't like using the word soft and I don't want to ever call somebody soft, but I guess timid is kind of the word, you know, when you see him get the ball and when you see him defensively, there's no real aggression. Um, you know, I mean, he played five minutes, which is not a lot at all, but he had zeros all the way across the board. Um, you know, you see a guy like Jalen Withers comes in and he shoots a three that, you know, wasn't very close. And then he goes in and basically misses a, I'll call it a layup. I mean, it was basically a hook shot, but basically misses a layup, um, you know, and in games like those, those matter, you know, and then, you know, for me, Seth has been probably the most steady when it comes to a guy that comes off the bench. And a lot of it just comes purely from the defensive end. Um, but I mean, even, you know, when it comes to offense, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to really get things going for Seth. And then I watch a guy like Pax and, you know, I, I think he has some ability, but I just don't, this, this level, it's a different level from where he came from, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not like, oh, he can't play at this level because I've seen Pax in practice. I've seen him in other games. Like he's more than capable. But last night there was just a few times with kind of, I'll say almost everybody on the bench, you know, when they come in the game, there's just no real just assertiveness into the game. And like I said, I, I, you know, I hadn't dealt with that until I got to the NBA, but even in those times when I was playing very minimal minutes in the NBA, your whole goal is to make sure that your presence is known when you get on the floor. And when I watched that game yesterday, I just don't know if any of those guys off the bench, if their presence was truly felt. And, you know, obviously does, does more time give, guys the ability to get into a rhythm and to kind of get going yes 100 and so that's I, I totally i'm not minimizing that at all but just I, I never there's there hasn't been there wasn't a time in that game where it was like man we really need to keep this guy in you know or man we could really use this guy in right now um there was never that from the bench and so if i don't see that and as a coach, if I don't see that and I don't feel that, then especially in a game like this, I'm going with whatever is working, whatever I think will win the game. And, um, you know, that I think that's kind of where they were last night, especially, I mean, this, this was a high-level game. It was two very high-level teams, very well-coached teams, just going at it back and forth. And so a lot of times that's what ends up happening. You know, you might have – in your mind going into a game as a coach, a lot of times, you know, you might go into a game, this is how the rotation is going to go. We're going to go, we're going to give this guy a chance. We're going to give this guy a chance, this guy a chance. And then once that second half comes around, then you're just trying to win the game. And if the guys that are coming off the bench haven't shown that they can help you in that manner, then that's kind of why the minutes seem so low. Um, but I agree with you from the standpoint, there has to be ways that we can, get all of these people involved and give them opportunity to develop and get better. Cause I think they will be needed and they will, I think end up being very big for us at some point this season. Um, you know, I think there will be a game when Pax comes in and he hits two or three big time threes. I think there's going to be a game where, you know, Seth gets two or three big defensive stops and we end up coming down and scoring and winning a game. You know, I think there's going to be a game where Jalen Withers is huge and, his versatility really shows and, 
you know, he's he plays 30 minutes in a game and he's, you know, huge for us. I think there's going to be times where that happens, but there has to be some sort of consistency and some sort of, okay, when I put this guy in the game, I know this is what he's going to do. I know he's going to affect the game defensively. I know offensively, if he gets an open shot, he's going to step into it and he's going to knock it down. I know he's going to go to the offensive glass every single time. You know, there's just certain things that you have to be able to see from guys coming off the bench to be able to provide that. So hopefully they continue to do it. You know, I think, you know, I think the game was tough to kind of go off of when it comes to bench minutes, because like I said, you're just trying to win big time games like that. And, you know, the coaches are obviously going to go with who they're most confident in. And obviously that kind of shows who they probably are the most confident in, but I think there is definitely opportunity. It's still early in the season. There's opportunity for them to for sure get the bench going and, um, you know, find ways to get them involved and things like that. So, Overall, man, I, I mean, I love where this team is at. You know, are there things that they can do better? I think in a game like that, you probably are going to have to hit more than seven threes to beat a team like this. Um, you know, I mean, you look at the free throw shooting, they were 13 for 22. I mean, that's nine points right there. They lost by 11. Um, you make a couple of those free throws, I think it might change the momentum of, of the game. Um you know, there's just little things. You know, they, they took care of the ball. Seven turnovers is a great number in, in a game of that magnitude. Um, and so, you know, I think it's uh, – I think this team is exactly where they should be. Um, you know, like we talk about, this is one of the best um, times and one of the best games for them to learn from and take away from because of how good UConn is and the things they run and – defensively the things they do and how they match up against a team like this. So I really, I, I think this team is totally fine. I know a lot of people are, you know, obviously you want to win games like this 100%, but when you watch it and you look back on it, they lost to a really, really good team that has the possibility of going and winning another national championship. And if this team wants to get to that point, then, you know, this is these are the teams they got to go through. So, I, I think they're going to be totally fun. I think you know you add the fact that they played at MSG, which is that's a you know for a lot of these guys that might be a once in a lifetime type situation being able to play in that kind of arena. Um, and so you know for them to be able to still show up and compete in that game, I think uh, I'm in a great place with this team. I think after the game, Hubert Davis was talking about. The break that UNC gets a little bit, it's exam break coming up now, some time to uh, get away from games, but also a chance to practice a little bit more and kind of work on themselves. That was something that Hubert hit on, you know, the chance to not prepare for an opponent, but really practice as a team. What are some key things, Justin, you'd want to see the team work on over exam break, um, you know, after we've had, you know, the opportunity to watch them over nine games so far this year? Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to see, you know, I think this is a great time for shooters to be able to get into the gym and get a rhythm again. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, all, all year. That's kind of what we've talked about is how important the shooting is and how the last you know couple of years has been not great when it comes to that. And so I think this is a great time for guys just to be able to all their all they have to worry about is studying for tests and being in the gym. You don't got to worry about traveling to a game or doing this or doing that. 
there's really not a ton that you have to worry about. And so being able to get in the gym whenever you can and getting extra shots up, getting back into a rhythm, you know, obviously we talk about the free throws, getting to the free throw line, working on that still. I mean, that's going to be a huge situation. A game like this, missing nine free throws, you know, and shoot 59% is it's going to be tough to beat another good team shooting like that. Um, and so I think, you know, doing those things, that's things that guys can do individually. I think as a, as a team, I think when you watch it, when you watch a team like UConn, the one thing I was amazed with was their execution offensively. You know, you obviously, you know, coach Hurley can run, he runs some unbelievable sets in general, but the way that UConn executed it, you know, on a consistent basis to get the shots that they really wanted from the guys that they wanted to get the shots from, I think was the most impressive thing for me when it came to UConn offensively. And I think maybe that's, that's one thing that North Carolina can kind of get a little bit better at is just executing certain plays, getting guys in certain situations where they can be aggressive to score or they can attack or, you know, for instance, with Cormac, making sure, you know, executing plays in a way where he gets shots where he doesn't have to rush the shots. You know, he doesn't have to do a quick trigger three or, a, you know, hurry up and get the shot off. You know, he can get some swing swings where he's in the corner. You know, you, you've, we've seen a couple of times already, you know, at home a couple of times where an action happens and a guy gets the ball in the wing and kicks it to Cormac in the corner and there's nobody around him and he can just take his time and knock the shot down. You know, getting things like that a lot of time goes to execution, whether it's a play executing or spacing being executed the right way, you know, whatever that might be. That's, I think, something that they can focus on. Um, just, you know, whether that's just running through dummy offense or running, you know, whenever they play against each other, making sure that they execute whatever play it is that they're doing and, get the right guys the ball at the right time, whatever that looks like. I think that's kind of something that they can do. But, you know, like you said, this is a time that, you know, as players, your coach Williams would always say, I've got nothing to do and you've got nothing to do. So we can be in the gym all day long if we need to. Uh, but this is a great time for them just to be able to, especially after a game like that, just kind of get back to the basics, you know, get the confidence level back up, take the goods and the bads from this game. And, you know, watch the film, learn from it, and move on from it and take the confidence going into the next game because, you know, next game is a big game. The game after that's a big game. And, you know, hopefully they can just continue to do that. So that's kind of the best part about this time is you don't have as much – you don't have to worry about going to class. You know, you don't have as much – you know, in college you don't have responsibilities anyways, but you just don't – you have even less responsibilities, you know, during the Christmas break. So – it's a good time just kind of get back focused on on your game and you know kind of lock it back in on that. As you alluded to, two tough games coming up for North Carolina, Kentucky on December 16th and then Oklahoma on December 20th. But also for the kids on the team, it's an exciting chance to play in some cool venues. So this next one will be in State Farm Arena down in Atlanta against Oklahoma. That will be uh, in the Spectrum Center in in Charlotte. We already talked a little bit about Madison Square Garden already and how cool that is. So I'm curious, Justin, you've played a lot of basketball, college, professionals. What's been your favorite arena to play in over all those different years? 
Favorite arena? Um, I'll say in college. It just kind of depends on what we're – if we're talking about NBA arenas playing in, um, we only played in a few of them. So we played in Barclays, which I was never a huge fan of just because it's darker in there, and I like gyms that are a little bit – have a little bit more light in them. Um, and then we played in Chicago, which the way it was set up didn't have the feel at all of – you know, Chicago's arena. Um, but I think since being in the NBA, it's hard to go against a place like Staples Center. Um, but last year playing in the Boston Garden was was probably the coolest experience when it came to a home arena, um, just because of how great the fans are. They come out for literally every game, how loud it gets in there, the history that's in there when you look up and you see all the jerseys and you know, the banners and the rafters and everybody that was there before. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think those those two, I think, are probably the coolest ones. Um, I mean, you've got Phoenix where the fans are extremely loud. They all come out. Um, but those are probably – Boston Garden was probably the coolest uh, – TD, TD Garden was probably the coolest place that I've played at. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to be careful. Adam Silver is going to find you. I think it's Crypto.com Arena, too, out in uh, Los Angeles. They, they they changed it up on us uh, recently. Hey, look, if he if I get a fine in the mail for that, <laughs> then you know you what? Respect we'll, that. Hey, we'll figure yeah. it out. But, hey, we appreciate yeah. it if you're listening, uh, Mr. Commissioner. Going yeah. along that real quick, what is it that makes an arena kind of like a good – shooting arena you said that one of them uh up in i think barclays you said was a little dark is there certain things that you're looking for as a shooter that say like hey this is a friendly shooter's gym yeah i just i like gyms that have more light you know i like gyms you know that, that's what was so cool about you know td was it was so lit you know and not from the standpoint of like exciting <laughs> but um you know there was just so much light in there with Barclays the background and everything is darker and so that perception is a little bit different um so that's that's kind of me personally some people love Barclays some people love you know even MSG is a little darker too um you know so some people love kind of that background and that that ambiance of you know that gym but for me I just love a gym that has a little bit more light you know maybe a lighter color wood that you're playing on you know, kind of that whole thing. I kind of enjoy that a little bit more. Real quick, do you have a take on the NBA in-season tournament courts, those crazy colors? <laughs> I think, uh, for one, I think it's an, uh, you know, at first I was I was kind of, you know, I don't really know if players will like that. I still don't know if players truly do like it. Um, but from a fan perspective, like, I think it's, it's helped the NBA a lot, you know, because I think the, you know, the idea behind the NBA basketball is, you know, guys don't really take it serious until the playoffs start. And then, then you start seeing some really good basketball, but you watch some of these games that have been played and it's been intense, you know, guys are really fighting, you know, there's no, you know, you don't really see a ton of guys like resting or not playing, like all the players are playing and, you know, it's, I think it's definitely helped them from, you know, viewership and just the idea of the NBA regular season. I think it's really helped a lot so um you know i love it that the courts themselves are wild they're some wild <laughs> colors i can't imagine playing on those they're 
they're definitely interesting. But at the same time, it's just bringing more awareness to what, you know, the in-season tournament is and all that kind of stuff. So I also respect it on that front. So I think, you know, I think it's going to be something that they for sure keep going forward. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been cool to watch. I'm glad we brought up professional basketball because I have one more stat to close out the night. 26, 12, and 6. That was your line last <laughs> night, I believe. So I just want to give a shout out. I don't know if people realize this, but Justin is playing the entire season. So he's doing the podcast each week, but he's also just putting up monster numbers for the <laughs> Texas Legends. So shout out to Justin as he goes through his season for Legends. Justin, get us out of here. Any last thoughts uh, before we take a break and have an exciting episode uh, next week during exam week. Hey, look, I'm going to always say the same thing. Um, thank you to anybody that's listen, listening, that's watching, um, that's tuning in, whether you tune in every week or this is your first one or maybe your last one. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, you know, we, we hope that kind of the things that we talk about obviously maybe helps you or enlightens you or maybe just gives you a laugh or, you know, whatever it might be. We hope that it gives you whatever it is that it needs to give you. Um, you know, obviously for all the UNC fans, I think this team is in a great spot. You know, it's a lot of people wouldn't say that after a loss, but, you know, kind of watching as much basketball as I've watched and played, I think this team is in a great position and, uh, you know, still two more big time games before ACC play really starts for them to, you know, solidify themselves as one of the better teams in the country. So, you know, I love this team, continue to support this team and love this team. Um, I think they're going to continue to get better and better. But like I said, thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. And, you know, we'll talk to you all next time.